0: These are grown, Mm -hmm. daggone men right? that are fighting, to the tune of 3,000 of them, fighting to be able to do crazy stuff around children. I feel like all three of these bills, guys, are really to protect kids. It's just simply to say we are protecting kids from industries that want to take advantage of them.
1: Don't wait until they're 10 or they're 12 or you think they're ready for this conversation. We need to start introducing God's truth to them at a very early age. So they can have a better understanding and they can their heart can be pricked when they see things they know are not right versus saying, wow, that's great. I want more of that.
2: Hi again, everybody, and welcome back to the narrative. Mike Andrews, Aaron Baird, David Mahan rejoining you to talk about some news. It's been pretty busy around here lately, fellas. And we haven't <laughs> had much chance to, to do this. Before we get into the news, though, I do want to let our audience know we're coming up on the end of our volume, which means we've got the now infamous Ask Us Anything episode that's coming up here in just a couple of weeks. So I want to invite our listeners to leave us a voicemail or a text or send us an email. You can get a hold of us, 614 769 7077, that's voicemail or text, 614 769 7077, or email us at the narrative at thenarrativeccv.org. And we look forward to getting your feedback and answering your questions in a couple of weeks. We've got a lot to talk about and, and look forward to hearing from everybody. And speaking of a lot to talk about, we really haven't had much of an opportunity to talk about some of the bills that are moving through the, the house across the street and, and just wanted to take time today uh, to update our listeners uh, where some of our priority bills are right now. And so, David, I'm going to toss it over to you. You've got a pretty good pulse on what's going on. And I know you've been in a lot of those hearings and committee meetings and things like that. So,
0: yeah, Last week we had House Bill 183, um, the bathroom bill, um, had a really good showing for proponent hearing. Um, the Xenia community came in, you know, with the whole uh, Darren Glines um, situation with YMCA, you know. And, and this is the bill that says men can't be in women's bathrooms, and just, like, just as simple as that. Like, yeah, just as simple as we that. We need laws that say that now. <laughs> right. And, and kind of, if you were to watch the hearing, and you can on the Ohio channel, um, that was the feel. That was the vibe. It was like, you know, what does the opposition really say? Yeah. Um, to to that, and uh, really, you you had a you know one mill one member i not going to mention his name, um, but he went back to that. So are you saying that biological uh, males are different than trans uh, women? And um, kind of, yeah. Like, <laughs>
2: yes. 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 <laughs> it's pretty straightforward to answer. Are you
3: saying a burrito is different than an airplane?
0: Yes.
2: And how,
3: in fact, how do, you, yes. how do you
0: tell a parent, you know, who had their 14-year-old stand in an partially dressed in a locker room and a completely naked man is trying to talk to her. How do you how do you rationalize that that's okay? Um, I mean, one member in there, um, extremely modest because of her religion, is debating why everybody else's women should just be able to, you know, have men look at them undressed. It it was it was the most insane thing, but um, (laughs) we definitely won the day for sure on that one.
2: So that's where the bathroom bill stands. Uh, adult cabaret, that's one that we touched on, I think, early in the season. We mentioned that had been introduced, and, and that's getting a little traction. I think it's received a, a committee assignment and those types of definitely, things.
0: Definitely, right? yeah, definitely a committee assignment. But with, with uh, uh, I think that's 245, um, you would probably know that as the, um, the drag bill or the adult cabaret bill, which basically says, if you are an adult cabaret performer, you have to do it in – A adult cabaret facility (laughs) outside of the view of children. And Mike, I'm telling you, they had like 3,000 or so. uh, One of the sponsors was telling me 3,000 or so people email furious that uh, that, that just that piece right there. And honestly, a lot of folks would say the bill doesn't go far enough. I mean, you can literally still have um, uh, Drag Queen Story Hour. Right. Um, You you just can't be obscene and lascivious in front of little kids. And uh, they actually had a a protest and we posted this in our alert. I had a protest in Salina um, at the at the municipal building. And um, literally a a guy dressed in drag is is standing there saying that, you know, we're not going to change your little town. Your own kids will, Um, you know, they will love us. They will join us. Literally, we're coming for your kids. The biggest issue, and I always go back to this, the media was there. Mm-hmm. The media has been talking about this bill all through the summer. How come that stuff never makes it? Yeah. Right? I mean, that's them speaking in their own that's words. That's a headline. That's right. a clickable headline. Right. Right. Yeah. That You don't have to, you know, read into that. That's just the way. It, but anyway, um, that one that one is moving uh, forward as well. So. Well, hold on.
3: My, my favorite thing on this topic today, um, I, I saw this week that the, the dispatch – Um, the, the Columbus dispatch, not, not to the the same. That's the, the, the former property owners of where we're sitting right now. Um, they, they ran a a letter to the editor, um, of a, a guy wrote an editor, a letter to the editor about, um, there's apparently a play of Mrs. Doubtfire. Do you remember the, the Mm -hmm. the Mrs. Doubtfire movie, uh, in in the nineties with, with Robin Williams. And they said the, the letter was something to the extent of why aren't GOP lawmakers, freaking out about this mrs doubtfire play coming and it's honestly i i i these people might just be stupid like i i I don't say that i'd like i don't say that lightly because it's like did did you see mrs doubtfire and think that movie was like a transgender like marathon like celebration that no, the, the whole point of Mrs. Doubtfire is it's funny because this is a dude dressing up as a woman, you know, and and being silly, right? It's a farce. Like it's, it's an, an farce. farce, exactly. Right. Like this is not this not is that he thought he was actually. He, a woman. he doesn't think he's an actual woman, and by the way, he's dressed in like a muumuu and a, a wig. He's not dressed as a stripper right. and dancing in front of kids. I mean, that, that like it's just like they they just genuinely some of these people just. Apparently, they've been so consumed by this this cultural moment, this darkness, this this, this idea uh, that men can become women, this woke ideology that they they don't even understand. They don't even get the joke anymore of of this movie from the '90s. Of yes, it is a silly thing for a man to dress up as like a woman, and by the way, just because he put a dress on doesn't make him a woman. Yeah. Like it, it,
0: it honestly. Um, again, it's, it's clearly just narratives like to go back to the bathroom bill. Um, one member, um, we read the, um, we read the testimony of Katisha, who was actually groped by a guy, um, who, who was the one who was in the woman's locker room. And, um, the member said, well, we have laws on the books and that's why that person was convicted. And, uh, and so that's why we don't need his bill. She was like, no, he wasn't convicted. He, this is the space that we're living in right now. He wasn't convicted, yep. and uh, these children to this day still have to sit in that locker room with this guy. So th- this is just insane narratives that and, I don't know if anybody really believes. Well, and, and here's the thing about this too, David. Like I, I realize we are center for
3: Christian virtue, and I just called people stupid, right? And I can I can automatically hear folks being like,
0: "Well, that's not very Christian of you." No, listen. Now you all know how I feel around here, on this man. He, <laughs> he hurts me. <laughs>
3: No, I, I like. In all seriousness, like there is a a degree of of harmfulness of ideology. That's right, right. And and there's there's a degree of and Tucker Carlson kind of talked about this at our, our gala a little bit. But like there there is a an, a reasonable exchange of ideas to have, mm-hmm. right? You know, like uh, uh, honestly, like the whole backpack bill. You know, how should we fund education? What's the like? I genuinely there's there's our our like real meaningful conversations, policy conversations to have around these things. But to say that men can become women, to say and and the reality is it's actually not a complicated issue. I think that's that's one of the things early on with the transgender movement. I think you know the, 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 that our response as a as a movement we we tried to approach it like you know our our, our inclination was to, to try to approach it compassionately. Um, and, and try to really engage with the ideology, but no, literally they're saying up is down. Right. Like we, we don't need to act like this is a really hard thing that we need to struggle with. No, no, no. It's, it's not. Don't dress men. Don't dress up like a stripper and want to dance in front of kids. That that's just, there, there's no like serious. And when we, when we actually like give it credence that this needs to, to be addressed in that way, um, we're, we're actually, we're hurting the cause and ultimately it's kids that gets hurt. That's now. Right. Again, we're not talking there is there's an aspect here of gender dysphoria, but true gender dysphoria, less than two percent of the population. Right. right? Let, let let's let's be clear what that is. The vast majority of this is sexual deviancy, and the vast majority of the victims are kids. Uh, when when we when we entertain this at all.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the the quote that we put from David in our action alert really hit it on the head as far as the adult cabaret bill goes the fact that there are grown men that are upset about this is proof that we need it right Right, exactly Exactly. see i used
0: the terminology grown men yeah you know (laughs) and you changed it like yeah (laughs) but that's how i feel like these are grown Mm -hmm. daggone men yeah right that are fighting to the tune of three thousand of them fighting to be able to do crazy stuff around children Guys, this is a big deal. And, and I feel like all three of these bills, guys, are really to protect kids. Yeah. All three of them, including the, the innocence bill, you know, dealing with pornography. Um, it's is just simply to say we are protecting kids from in- industries that want to take advantage of, of them. Well,
3: and, and, uh, and honestly, like this is,
0: you, you see... The
3: the, the re, And this was actually, I, I think back to David, when we, you know, w- when I held you hostage and make made you take, take the job here, um, the whole purpose was, you know, we at CCV need to recognize the the real battle that's happening right now is about kids. Mm-hmm. Right. This is this is targeting kids. And you can see the effectiveness that the left is having. I mean, even thinking about our conversation last week, uh, I, I'm going to butcher these poll numbers. So, so forgive me, but. I saw a poll this, this week that said, you know, folks that are over 65 or over 60, you know, on, on average, it's like over 90% of them, you know, support Israel against Hamas terrorists, right? Whereas right now, and you're seeing this on college campuses and wow. on the younger generation, it's like 50-50, right? Of folks that are celebrating the Hamas terrorists that, like, I, I just heard a, a a call this this morning from that a Hamas terrorist made back to his mom and dad. Celebrating how he just killed 10 Jews. I mean, that that verbatim, it was I just killed 10 Jews. And this is the the the, the moral relativism and the woke ideology that has just corrupted our education system, corrupted so much of our, our media thinking and things like that, that's impacting our kids. And if we're not getting serious about systematically changing that again. I really think we can win here on uh, on November 7th on the abortion issue, but 20 years from now, 25 years from now, if we don't do something seriously to change uh, what's
2: happening with our kids, it's not going to matter because it's all going to go away. Well, we brought up two things that we want to talk about. So first thing we're going to touch on is the Innocence Act, since you mentioned that, David, and that's actually going to be part of uh, our bigger conversation today in the second half of the program. We're pleased to be able to speak with Joshua Livingston. He's the executive director of Pure Hope. So we're going to have more conversations around the Innocence Act. But this is a relatively newer bill that's been introduced. I think just within the past week or so, we had a press conference to announce it. And uh, David, you can kind of unpack what, what it intends to do. Yeah, the,
0: the sponsor has been struggling, you know, a little bit with with the language and how, you know, what angle to take. You know, do we require? This is all about the porn industry, right? So, do do we require the porn industry to require age verification for, um, you know, some some form of age verification for the kids that or for anybody that goes onto their site, or two, do we require the device folks, the device side, like tablets, phones, to have um, filters already enabled? Um on all those devices. And so that was what they were kicking around. And, and what they went with was the fact that they would just do the age verification. Um, and I think the reason why is because the governor um, just passed, uh, uh put something in the budget that required the same type of mechanism, right, that would um that would require age verification on some of the video game platforms uh and and so um and and internet, you know, um sites. And so basically it's it's another one of those cut and dry things of listen, you you can mess with this porn stuff, but you have to have some way for parents to be able to protect the innocence of their kids. Well, and and you know, again honestly, I I I hate that this is a
3: example we can use here, um but you know, the reality is we just legalized sports gaming here in Ohio. And a big thing that the sports gaming uh, platforms all talk about is how their platforms have really safe and secure um, age verification uh part, part for it right and they and they had to do that in order to 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 you know create their exploitative industry here and that's a whole other issue um, but we're it really puts us in a good position to say, you know, because I remember a few years back, we we would talk about this and they'd be like, oh, there's no way to meaningfully do that. We can't do that. Well, you know, now the vice industry has gotten their way on gambling. So we're going to hold the porn industry to the same standard as, as, as gambling here um, and say, listen, if we're able to do it here, we can do it over here as well. Um, and again, it really is. I don't understand an argument against this. Right. Um, if, uh, unless you just want to say you think it's okay for kids to be able to access this, this pornography. Yeah.
2: Well, as we wrap up our new segment, we do want to do kind of a quick touch base on issue one. It's, it's been predominantly featured throughout our, our volume and rightfully. So it's such an important issue coming up in just a couple of weeks. We're what, uh, by the time this airs, we'll be 11, 10 days, something like that uh, away from the election ending. So hard to believe that we're here, but, some interesting things coming out of, of all places, the news media where there's a a little bit of a, a glimmer of hope in that we saw the Toledo blade come out and say, vote no on issue one. Now they weren't necessarily pro-life in their stance, but at least they, they endorsed the no vote and the Plain dealer, I won't say likewise, they, they took a little more of a soft pedal approach of, well, this is such an emotional issue. We don't feel like we should actually endorse it. And then they just provided some editorials that had different differing perspectives, but you're seeing that there's some recognition there in the media that this does go too far. They're, you know, coming around to that point that we've been making since day one, that this is just too extreme.
3: No, I, honestly, I think the fact that both the plane dealer and the the blade d- refused to endorse it. Uh, and the blade went so far as to say, people should vote against it. Um, I think it's that that's a, a major shock, and, and it it is just more proof positive that this uh, it, it's what the the ad that we're running with the governor and first lady say of you know this this just goes too far whether you're pro life or pro choice um, it, it it just reinforces that messaging and, and again I'll say you know we're we're gonna get outspent two to one maybe three to one we we expected that we've been our, our strategy has basically been preparing that from from the get go. Um, and I, I'm not going to sit here today and say, oh, we're definitely going to win. Um, but we really see a, a real pathway for it to happen. And, um, just saying, Dave, I know you've been, uh, out as much as anybody on, on this. Um, there's a real difference that I'm seeing right now compared to the August election, um, especially in the community and the grassroots. Um,
0: and, and there's a real energy that hopefully will carry us all the way through election the, day. The focus has been amazing. Yeah, you know the, the August election, folks were just kind of like, you know, what do we do? It was like a, a nervousness, right? But now it's like the focus has been amazing. Everybody's got resources. Everybody knows what to do. It was like August was was a was a dress rehearsal kind of thing. Um, man, I'm I'm seeing like I'm in churches that are huge, and I'm in small spots as well, from inner city to suburbs, and it's been like last night. So we had we had in African American community, we did a campaign, you know, pro life roots. And um, we brought in Bishop Wooden, and some of you have seen his ad, powerful ad. Um, But uh, that event triggered the heart of a pastor, an African-American pastor, who uh, made a statement, sent out over 110 African-American pastors and and leaders signed on. That just started a a chain reaction. That hit national news. But the thing that that really blessed me last night at, at the second event we did at this pastor's church was, the vast majority of the people there were under 30, African-American under 30s, college students. All of my kids were there. There was a woman in the first event who was triggered. She was upset with me, called my wife, fussed her out, called me the next Monday, fussed me out. This woman gave her testimony last night, come to find out she had two abortions. She's 69 years old, buried all of that, never dealt with it and was a, had had her abortions and actually worked for founders. Uh, the first abortion clinic in Ohio, and she gives her testimony to these young people, these kids, and you could have heard a pin drop. Powerful testimony and why we need to oppose this and why we need to repent as a body of Christ. Um, Listen, I've been doing a lot of this GOP stuff. I've been doing a lot of these large, oh man, had an awesome time at Pastor Frank Carl's church. But to see the African-American community in Cleveland, inner city Cleveland preaching twice now, um, and folks just testifying. And guys, I'm going to just say this. We left at 11 o'clock. Right? It's one thing to have a rah-rah rally around vote. No, it's another thing for the heart of men and women who have not had a voice right, to talk about and to, and to get healed, redeemed. Man, we had an hour and 10 minute worship service around people just repenting. And men and women, I, it just... It's beautiful what God is doing. And, and that's the point that we've been saying for six months. We are working our tails off, crisscrossing the state. But if we win this thing, it's going to be because of God and God alone. Yeah. And so let's not, let's not overlook the small victories because, you know, that, those are so important. But when the hearts change, when that 69-year-old woman's heart changed, she has been doing nothing but preaching life for the last two and a half months. It's been amazing. Yeah. Yeah. So God be the glory.
2: Amen. That's a, that's a great report. And I'll just remind our listeners too that If you need resources for your church, there's still time to get them for the next week. You can go to ccv.org slash vote and order some of the resources we've made available for churches and for you to distribute to friends and family and those types of things. So please, 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 we don't want to have anything left over. If anybody's
0: got a good connection for workplace healing program, (laughs) we don't do that much you
2: we don't do that we put that we put
3: the hr Sorry. complaints over the the shredder on the trash the cans, can so you just <laughs> drop that right
2: in and go into the, that's the most effective way to handle them because <laughs> of the sheer volume that okay. occur here. we'll get two.
3: filed appropriately David, <laughs> so uh.
2: uh well with that uh Friends, we will take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll be joined by Joshua Livingston, the executive director of Pure Hope, to talk about the Innocence Act and and how we can help our kids navigate living in this heavily sexualized and pornified culture. You don't want to miss this conversation. Stick around. Hey, narrative listeners. You know, Christians in the marketplace today face more unique and challenging threats than ever before. Businesses are following woke capitalism. Chambers of commerce are beholden to social justice and secular activists are chipping away Christians' First Amendment rights. As Ohio's only Christian Chamber of Commerce, the Christian Business Partnership stands in the gap to advocate for, to educate, and to celebrate Christian business owners. Joining the partnership also allows businesses to provide their employees with health care insurance, workers' compensation, and exclusive banking and educational discounts. To find out more and to join, go to cbpohio.org. That's cbpohio.org. And we're back on the narrative. Mike Andrews and Aaron Baer. We're joined now by Josh Livingston, who's the executive director of Pure Hope, and he focuses on relationship building, strategic planning, vision casting, and expanding the message of Pure Hope. He joined the team in January 2020 after serving for years as a board member and champion of Pure Hope.
0: Mm-hmm. Josh
2: Bell called the ministry at the age of 13. He's been in and around professional ministry his entire life as his family started Central Church in Charlotte, North Carolina over 40 years ago. Growing up in church gave him many opportunities for outreach, mission trips, and leadership. He attended Lee University to pursue this ministry calling, and there he captained the baseball team, majored in broadcasting, and minored in Bible. He's served in some form of ministry ever since, from church planning, to pastoring, to leading worship. And in addition to starting a nonprofit ministry in Africa, Josh has also worked as a business advisor for two financial institutions and as a donor advisor for K-Love Air One Radio Networks. But what brings Josh the most joy is his family. He's been married to his beautiful wife, Kate, for 20 years, and they have an 18-year-old son and a 15-year-old daughter. He's an avid golfer who plays a lot of tennis and pickleball with his family. Josh, thank <laughs> you so much for joining the narrative today. It's great to talk
1: with you. Thanks so much, guys. It's good to be with you. As you're reading that, I'm thinking, man, I wish I was actually playing golf uh this afternoon because it's almost 80 in Charlotte here, and it's just too warm
2: for uh, October. <laughs> yeah, I feel that. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll hit the course later myself if my boss doesn't find out that I'm that I'm not okay. working. Okay, right. we'll keep it between <laughs> us. Very good. Very good. Yeah. Well, you know, we had kind of an interesting conversation off the air as we were getting started here. And Aaron, I'm going to let you kind of intro this. Uh, we're we're related organizations and had no idea. that's right had, had no idea when I reached out to Josh to set this up. So uh, could you just unpack yeah. a little bit of the relationship we've got between CCV and Pure Hope, Aaron?
3: Yeah, I, I said Pure Hope and and CCV are, are cousins. We we've got the <laughs> same uh, same grandfather, same same founder, uh, in and Pastor Jerry Kirk, who's a, a dear brother and a, and a hero of mine. Uh, you know, uh, the 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 backstory here is. Uh, you know but there was that that rise of pornography in Southwest Ohio back in the uh, '70s and '80s, um, and and Jerry uh, just had to go a little Chip Ingram on you. Had a dislocated heart about mm-hmm. uh, this rise of pornography and, and brought pastors together to address it. Um, and out of that was birthed Concerned Citizens for Community Values (CCCV), which evolved into. CCV, uh, which was Citizens for Community Values, the, the 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 group that is now Center for Christian Virtue, um, but you know, really, as Jerry was looking at this, as as the story goes, as I understand, uh, he saw uh, really two aspects of this. There was the 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 public policy and mm-hmm. and sort of political aspect of these porn shops open up all over over town, and the and the need to sort of raise up grassroots to oppose it and and push back, but then also. You know what you might call the supply side—the the the, the the you know people and and especially men being drawn to pornography and using pornography and and how do we minister to those folks and so that's what got CCV going down the more political public policy side mm-hmm. and I, I can't remember Josh we were trying to remember what what the the the, the OG name of uh, Pure Hope was. Uh, it was. I think it was National Coalition Against Pornography or something like that. Yeah,
1: and you probably had to tack on about six or eight more words to complete <laughs> the actual uh, the name and the acronym. Acronym. Forgive me for not remembering. I'm terrible at it. But uh, went through a little bit of a transition, probably about uh, 15 years ago or so, with a little bit of a name change. Yeah. Obviously, uh, we are all for anyone you know wanting to stamp out um, you know pornography, human trafficking. It's all connected. Um, we, we do, uh, have some content around that and how we can combat that, but we also recognize that, uh, it's not going away tomorrow. And so what can we do to arm and embolden parents, moms, dads, families to not fall into the trap and to this cycle that so many fall into?
2: Yeah. And, and Josh, as we, we kick off our conversation here, I I do want to learn more about some of those avenues that, that Pure Hope is taking Uh, But just for our listeners too, the the context around this conversation is that in in the Ohio House, we've recently seen uh, what's called the Innocence Act introduced Mm -hmm. to require age verification for um, adult websites, which seems like pretty common sense legislation. We've seen another another a number of other. You know, kind of adult industries, whether it's gambling or alcohol, require age verification before you get to those sites. So we'll talk about some of the public policy side. But but tell us about Pure Hope and some of those ways that you're trying to to impact the home and and try and cut this uh, pornography scourge off at the source uh, through through family relationships and things like that. Well, it's interesting. I think I'm going to share a
1: little bit and hopefully I'll be able to bring this full circle uh, as we dive into even what you all do and specifically this pornography and this topic of pornography. Um, But as a ministry, as a whole, uh, we are all about arming families to navigate our sexualized culture. We recognize it's not just pornography. There's a lot of things that are missing and are not being discussed or communicated uh, in a healthy manner. So when we talk about arming families, it really starts with culture. Um, And a lot of people, I've I've done a lot of study on this and a deep dive. A lot of people don't know that the original meaning of the word culture means cultivation of souls, s-o-u-l-s souls so that tells me that everything that me my family my children whoever it is is consuming on a regular basis where i give my time and effort and energy that is actually what's cultivating my soul my eternal soul so if you just stop there and pause for a moment uh i usually have to take a little bit of a deep breath and think wow where am i spending my time and am I really, truly wanting to honor the Lord and all of that? So it starts with culture. You have to have that understanding. Once you have that sort of understanding, then we think about our families, right? Every parent, it's innate in us to say, "Ah, I want to protect my kid, you know, from whatever it is. I, I'm, it might be a glass house, but we're going to protect them as best we can. And I think that's a wonderful thing. We want to protect. There are ways to protect, right? Um, maybe it's putting restrictions in. There's all sorts of partners that we have, whether it be, bark or covenant eyes or canopy when it comes to the use of technology that we should be utilizing. It's a very small expense. And I think our our families are worth it. Uh, I think we'd all agree uh, in that. But we like to go a step further when we're looking at the umbrella of all of this. If you're thinking about culture and thinking about protection, there's two more steps to this that we miss a lot. The second is we go from protect to equip. Now, I know that seems a, like a generic term, but oftentimes we as parents aren't willing to go there because pornography, technology in general, all these things, it can seem overwhelming. We're not sure where to start. We oftentimes say we'd much rather have a, an equipped child than a protected child because they're going to have right. to make decisions without their parents. Are they prepared to make those decisions, whether they're 10 or 20 or they're married, whatever it may be, are we equipping our children? And the best way we can do that, the third piece, Mike and Aaron, is to model it we should never expect our children to do something we're not willing to do. So when it comes to technology, um, how, cause obviously this is where it starts. I know we're on video here, you know, I'm thinking about the iPhone, all the technology we have. I can't say to my daughter, you know, it's time to put all that away, but then they look over and I'm go- even going through emails. It must start with how we model that. And then obviously we get into kind of four pillars of all of our teaching. And I, I know I'm talking a lot, but I get really excited about this because I want people to grasp this. But it's all under the umbrella of this is culture. It's cultivating our souls, protect, equip, and model. And then we have four pillars. And I'll say them quickly, and then we can kind of, you know, dive into this and in the connection of pornography. One, we must have a higher view of sex. Wow, that's off limits. You know, we don't, we don't talk about that yeah. in the church, right? Mom and dad, we really don't talk about it, discuss it much in our homes, but we must have a higher view of that. And I can explain a little bit more. The second piece is purity is a relationship, not an accomplishment. That is lost on many of us. I grew up in the church, never experienced, never even understood what that meant. The third piece is how do we connect the dots between purity and justice? That's when we dive into the, what pornography is, every decision we make matters. You have to understand that when you're just perusing by yourself, not even thinking that it's hurting anybody, that you're in essence feeding the demand. And we fully believe there would not be a trafficking problem if there wasn't a pornography problem. No question in my mind. We feed the demand and obviously it continues to grow and spur on. Um, And then the last thing is, all of this information can seem overwhelming, but we believe that we can still pursue and live out a pure life before Jesus Christ we're Pure Hope. It's an acronym. It's pray, understand, resolve, and engage. I know that's a lot of information, guys, but I just wanted to set the stage for really what we do at Pure Hope and how we articulate this message to families around the country and around the globe. No, man, I I, I like that a lot. I, I think there, there's
3: obviously a ton, a ton to back there, but, you know, as you're talking, especially when you said, um, you know, we, we, we need to have a, a more healthy view of, of sex, a writer view of sex. And, and I think, Especially, think that's true in, um, an evangelical circles. I think we don't have a robust theology of understanding what sex is, what 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 kids are for. Um, there's actually been some really good writings in Catholic circles about that. But, um, you know, I, I we're this is hitting especially close to home for us right now in Ohio, as, um, you know, the, that 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 hands you just talked about, um is is both you you see pornography on that, but also this this abortion issue mm-hmm. we're dealing with in Ohio the constitutional amendment mm-hmm. you know we we've I was talking to I was on the um a, a podcast with with uh, the uh, family research Council earlier this week uh, and we we kicked around this a little bit, but I think this is such a huge point, which is like on the pro-life side, we have spent you know the better part of, of 50 years, Really, probably, really, the last twenty years, saying, "Hey, if we can just get people to understand that this is a life, then they they won't kill it, right? They, they they won't they won't abort the child." And what we've seen is actually, you're actually seeing a lot of folks, and we're even seeing this in polling, is that you can get someone to say it's a life, but they still think abortion is okay because there's actually a higher value here that your your personal worth and your personal dignity rests in your sexual prowess Mm -hmm. so there there is no concept of uh, of self there is no concept of worth um apart from this super sort of super sexualized culture and and you you really can't segregate that off from pornography and 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 just the 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 under all of the layers and and um and 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 just, just mounds of lies <laughs> that that
1: that we we rest on today. well, it, it, if we you talk about lies, we oftentimes use the term distortion. Uh, the enemy yeah. is oh, brilliant yeah. at that. And if you remember for us, we have to go back to the garden, right? and the apple and how he even distorted mm-hmm. what God originally said that you will surely die. And the the serpent said to Eve at that time, you won't surely die. I mean, almost posed a, like a doubt in her mind, right? He distorted that and it's carried on for thousands of years now. And Real everything favorite. the enemy is doing is distorting even our mindset. And we, like you just say, there's no worth in this. I mean, every yeah. single fetus, every child that is born, every heartbeat is made in God's image doesn't mean we're a child of god not until we call on his name right for salvation but we're still made in his image everyone has worth regardless of how they were born or their upbringing or their culture society all these things we have worth and we forget that and we're obviously so selfish that we just want what's best for us we don't care who we hurt along the you know along the way and that's obviously the pornography piece the abortion piece and we feel like hey there's really no nothing else matters but you in this moment not even the, the fetus right. in your womb. And that right. is, the, that is right. the distortion that is yeah. leading all of this. Everything I just discussed from higher view of sex down the road, it is all intertwined in understanding who we yeah. are in Christ. And when we don't, then we're very selfish by nature. And then someone appeases to our flesh and saying, hey, you're w- yes, you can make this decision. It's, this is up to you you, know? you. you come first, and then we start making decisions around that, not what God would want us, us to, to do. Well, I think
3: the other thing, Josh, that you said that I, that jumped out to me again, thinking about the parallels of what what we're dealing with in in Ohio right now, you know, a, a abortion in many ways, w- w- especially when you look at things going on with abortion pills mm-hmm. um, right. and, and things like that, like you you don't see, it, it, we, we we've sterilized it, right? You don't see the victim, you don't see the the fallout of it, right? It feels removed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that you could just get a pill sent to your house and take it and that the child dies, but you don't really, you know, you you don't really see that the, the body, you don't see any of that. And, and we use all these terms like, um, like plan B and, and are you and things like Mm -hmm. that. Um, And I thought you said something I think is, is, is key for a lot of folks is that they, they just think because I'm just watching this on my phone or I'm just watching this on my computer, like I'm not the one that. Put this woman there. I'm not the <laughs> one that, that made her go there. That that it's a it's a, a victimless crime, if you will. I, obviously, it's not a crime with with adults, but but that it's that idea, right? Um, and and how much has that mentality um, really allowed this to to go forward? Because I think for so many, you know, for so many men, if they were participating in that, or if they were in, if it was happening physically in front of them, they'd be like, no way.
1: But for some reason, watching it on the screen, they think they're innocent in this process. You know, it's interesting. I know know we're talking about the Innocence Act, you know, and a lot of this conversation is around pornography. You brought up abortion a couple of times, and I I think it's good just to take just a half step back um, and even go to scripture here. It's the most important thing we can talk about anyways. If we go to Genesis, I just mentioned the garden, right? Made in his image. We know that. But if you go into Genesis, uh, the end of chapter two, it says, for this reason, a man shall leave, you know, his father and mother be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh that term is so important um, because in the original hebrew the word is akkad and it means fused together at the deepest level (laughs) meaning you (laughs) cannot (laughs) be closer to another human than the act the intimacy of intimacy of sex so when we're talking about a higher view of sex is first and foremost it's about identity before activity you have to know who you are made in his image right but then as you've been given this gift the act of sex it's how we steward it and if we're not in that covenant that god asks and requires one man one mom one woman in the covenant of marriage then we are joining together with whoever it is a partner at the deepest possible level and we walk away and we're torn a part of us is is, is torn there's something missing and i'm thinking about this abortion piece and these women um, they can we think they just do this and they move on. This yes. is something that they will carry for the rest of their lives. There are consequences to every decision we make, and people need to understand. you may think it's in your best interest, but this isn't even about you in that moment. You're the one that's pregnant, this is what's crazy. You're the one that's pregnant, but this isn't about you. And I think that is so hard for our society, our culture to understand, and it breaks my heart that these women don't understand and don't have that knowledge and everything around us is saying, no, no, you do what you want to do. You do what's best for you. You do what feels good. And that in turn, obviously, when we talk about the feel good piece, that points us to this pornography thing that we're talking about.
2: Yeah. There's some really good, good foundations there, Josh. And I'm, I'm curious in your work, you probably meet people that are at all different spots on on this path um, trying to deal with pornography one way or another whether it's um, a man mm-hmm. or woman who's dealing with addiction issues or parents that are trying to either help a kid or, or help deliver a kid from viewing it or just parents who, who don't think it's an issue yet but they're trying to take protective measures so mm-hmm. what what are some of the the common things as the the common methods or or tools that you would give families or, or people dealing with this that that you see work really well or, or things that Turn the light bulb on and start getting them thinking along these foundational biblical lines. Yeah,
1: um, that's a
2: loaded question.
1: Great question, but it's loaded because I'm thinking there's so many layers to this. I, you know, I don't know how, how much time we have. Um, from a from a tactical perspective, as a ministry, um, we we yes, I get to travel and speak and share these these tenets, these these ideas, uh, these teachings. Um, but we have a team of folks that are constantly creating new resources and new content. Um, we even have a, uh, it's called recovery, uh, in a sexualized culture, someone that's struggling with that, whether they're 10 years old, you know, might be a li- even a little over the head cause they're not even sure what they're doing. They just think, well, this feels yes. good. But then there's that whole, like, oh my gosh, what did I do now? It's shameful. Right. Um, but then we have a, a lot of young men. We have a lot of fathers that are struggling with that. And I think one of the biggest things we see is when, when a father is struggling with this, whether it's a daily thing, a weekly thing, whatever it is, they feel like they're a fraud to actually then go and turn and try to have a healthy conversation with their children. And there is that missing, you know, there's that disconnect in the family uh, setup. One of the things that I will tell you we've decided to do, and it was about a year ago, a little more, uh, we kept getting inquiries, calls like, "We need. I need help, I need help, I need help. And we would just point them to some counseling centers that we were familiar with. But so many said, I don't want to go to counseling i don't want to pay 300 dollars an hour i don't want to go to church because i don't want everybody to know my business and so we develop something called spiritual advisory um where we have um well one in particular but we have some others that can help men and women um we go through a whole process on our website there's forms they can fill out and they can sit down whether it's virtually or face to face and have healthy conversations around these things and walk through their struggles and point them in the right direction, and it's free of charge, um, which is a a significant deal. Um, So when you're thinking about tactical, yes, we have resources, and we have kind of boots on the ground, but I'm going to take you back to something I've already said. Um, Because it's been taboo um, for as long as I can remember, I'm 45 years young, and I love my family. I was raised in a Christian home. I've never one time had a conversation about sex with my father. And I think that was a generational thing. It just, we didn't talk about it. You went to church, you knew better, just hang on, wait till you get married. That was the only message I ever knew. And nowadays, when you think about all the different cartoons that are out there, we get, you know, parents telling us, I had no idea. My three-year-old was watching a cartoon on Netflix. And then there's two male zebras about to get married. And we wonder why our children are a little confused as to all these things. We must start in the home at a healthy age, talking about our identity, our sexuality, making it normal, making it a good thing, a positive thing, not just something that we shun away from. And the more we do it, it will open dialogue so that they can better understand that, wow, I need to be smart about this. I can't just hand my 10-year-old an iPhone and say, you know, manage this well, okay? That's happening way too often. We don't have parameters in place. So my point is we must start with conversations and knowing God's truth And if it's God's truth from the Bible, it should never, ever be off limits. And so when we have those sorts of conversations with our young children introducing these concepts, it opens the dialogue to where I can tell you my daughter, um, well, I'll I'll take two seconds if that's all right with you guys. Uh, My son was seven years old, and my in-laws had a miscarriage. And he looks at me, He just turned seven. Dad, how are they going to have another baby? And I knew that was my opportunity. To start the conversation and it's not a one-time thing it's ongoing dialogue and I literally shared with him for the better part of an hour all the things that you're gonna hear and I laughing you say I went to public school I've heard every slang term out there I shared everything you could possibly imagine and his eyes were as big as saucers and then I said but guess what God has a beautiful story that he wants to tell through you beautiful design all throughout Scripture And this is his, was what he intends it to look like. And you can have this and he will bless you for this. And I talked about God's story of sex and what this means, how he created us and how we're supposed to steward it. And ever since then, we've had ongoing dialogue. Hey dad, I was at a buddy's house. This came up. We saw these things, man. I just felt wrong about it. But why do we, why do we want to pursue that? We have those sorts of questions and it's because we open the dialogue early at home we do that, and these young children are able to understand that everything they do on their iPhone or tablet actually matters, it will give them pause to not just say, hey, I'll just keep swiping, and it feels good.
3: Josh, what's been, uh, you know, anyone that's been in the church for a while has seen uh, some, probably seen a wide variety of ways of this issue of pornography and pornography use discussed from the pulpit huh. um, or, or run hmm. from, what's been We'll go on the positive side here uh, first. What's been a, a way that you have seen been effective uh, of pastors uh, talking about this issue um, and,
1: and really resonating uh, with their people? That's a good question, Aaron. And, and I, I wish I could sit here and say I'm thinking about all the different times I've heard and seen it done well, and I'm having to rack my brain. And I know I, I know we're trying to say let's let's go positive here right like, like let's encourage this yeah. it, to me this is all encouraging it may seem heavy but there is hope in all of this you just have mm-hmm. to be willing to say I'm going to draw a line in the sand and as for me and my house we will serve the Lord I know that seems kind of old or question but that's it's truth it's truth but one thing yeah. I will say yeah. that I think is really important it's so many people we talk to whether they are I mean young because we have an opportunity to, to work in schools and some camps and things like that. So we do get to talk to young people. Our primary audience is parents because we want them to have healthy conversations in the home. But one thing that was said to me, um, and it, it's been years ago by a pastor, and this is the example from, from your question that I want to use, is so often when we are in those dark moments and those moments of isolation where the enemy feels like he's got a stronghold on us and we are looking and, you know, hearing things that we know are not pleasing to God, we know we are not right. Instead of us shying away and feeling like he is so upset, he has turned his back, mm-hmm. God has, on me in that moment. He said, I believe God wants you, you to invite him in because his power is much stronger than any, any sort of stronghold the devil has. And I think it's good yeah. for us to remember that those dark moments— should be used as a bridge to the Heavenly Father, not a barrier. And when that pastor said that to me that way, I thought, oh, my goodness, that is one of the most profound things I've ever heard. We oftentimes think it's a barrier. We can't, you know, he's so disappointed, I'll turn away. But he's saying, no, 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 this is a bridge. Come to me. Come to me. I am stronger than any addiction, anything that's going to draw you in. I am stronger than that. Call on me. Invite me into those moments.
3: Yeah, no, I, I was. I'm looking behind me because I'm trying to see if I have my my copy here if it's at home. But um, I think it's it's one of the Ortlands. I think it's Dane Ortland that wrote the book "Gentle and Lowly," um, and and he talks about that that very very concept is that in in that moment of sin, Christ is walking towards you, believer. Uh-huh. He is he is, he is outstretching his arms to you and 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 trying to to reach you um and i know again going back to what you were talking about the serpent in the garden um you know the the, the lies of the enemy are saying you know in that moment christ is looking down at you in disgust mm-hmm. um, but that's not that's not what his word says um and is, is he desperately wants us to come to come to him right mm-hmm. um in, in in those moments again that that's not him uh, that's not him approving of the sin that that's him seeing the havoc the sin is <laughs> reaching on us uh, yeah. is wreaking on us and, and having having mercy yeah. on us.
1: No question. no question.
2: Yeah and, and I think too here, here's a point where we can pivot because I, I want to wholeheartedly agree with everything you're saying about about this starting in the home like I, I've experienced that in in my own own life and I'm even <laughs> encouraged uh, to have some of these conversations now. With with my family, we've been doing a little bit to to dig into that more, but as much as there is a personal side, you know, there there is a public policy side, and that's where I'm going to bring the CCV stuff back around here in the Innocence Act. You know, there was a time when we when our organization started 40 years ago that that this was still seen as kind of a, a seedy business, pornography, the, the sexual industry was seen as seedy. You know, it was kind of outside the the skirts of town. You'd have to get the magazines from behind the counters and that type mm-hmm. of thing. Now you can't get away from it. And, and ultimately, I think that's why, why we see the need for something like the Innocence Act that's going to put up some barriers. Um, so just beyond the home, Josh, where do you see public policy and things like that uh, being able to, to help uh, maybe bring us back from the brink of, of our oversexualized culture, that, that cliff that we're headed toward?
1: Yeah, and that's a, that's a great question. And, and honestly, uh, from our perspective, we don't get into policy um very mm-hmm. much at all um we leave that to great organizations like the gentleman i'm talking to now yes. um but the idea of at least placing some barriers there um no doubt we would support um because we see the the unfortunate lasting impact this is having on so many men and women now um we used to just say hey that's a dude problem right uh, it's evolved significantly Um, And the the numbers are ever changing. The last numbers I read, it's roughly about 65-35 now. 35% of women are uh, involved in some sort of um, sexually explicit, wanting to watch images, videos, things like that. On the flip side, I think it's important for anyone listening, your audience, to understand um, that roughly, and you all may know this and have shared this, but roughly about 80-82% to of women who are in pornographic videos have been trafficked. Um, yeah. it, it's, uh, many of them, they, they are not willingly there. They're being forced to smile, whatever that may look like. Um, but I think it's important for your, your listeners to understand even some of these things that are, that are happening. I mean, we've, we've seen it play out from, uh, young boys who, uh, are 11, 12 years old. Uh, they get introduced to it and it's something they can't, they cannot get away from. And unfortunately, they go into a, a marriage hoping for a healthy marriage down the road, and it's not healthy at all um, because they're reverting back to the times even when they were younger of watching this, and they are hoping that their spouse will do those same sorts of things. Um, so the fact that this Innocence Act, and forgive me, its is, uh, is it 18? Is that—is that what you said? Yeah. That's still not old enough. I, I wish it was the whole never thing. We went to parade, you know, I mean, there's no right. doubt it's not old enough. Uh, but at least it gives families some more time to help their children understand the impact. And when you're in the moment, it doesn't feel like there's a whole lot of impact. Um, but something that we've done a little bit of, uh, of research on, and, and we don't go too deep in some of our teachings when it talks about the brain, but And you all, I'm sure, know this, but every time we watch pornography, it damages the prefrontal cortex. And that's the, the, the two things that it's, it controls is our decision-making and our impulse. And those are the two things that cause us most trouble, especially when it comes yep. to the issue of pornography. So if it's damning, damaging my brain in that sort of function, unless Jesus Christ intervenes and I have help along the way, where I start to understand wow I need to run from this and I'm I'm a little bit older to understand that um it's a very difficult situation so so to your point the policy piece getting to uh, at least yeah, 18 I- yeah not old enough but at least there's some progress there
3: yeah and I think of a few things there Josh one um you know the the pornography industry and again we we're, we're talking about this in the context of the marijuana industry, because we also have legalized recreational marijuana on the ballot mm-hmm. here in Ohio. I, I always like to refer to them as industries. They're, they're businesses, right. And they do their, their, their job is to get more customers and figure out what keeps those customers coming back. Right. And so it's, it's much like we see in a lot of these other industries. Again, another example of of the casinos or just any app on your phone, social media companies where they, They know how to give you that dopamine, Mm -hmm. that that little bit of rush to keep you coming back again and again. And on the uh, on the on the policy front, there, you know, I I remember, you know, CCV, we in the '80s, we we cut our 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 teeth. We really made a name for ourselves uh, by developing the zoning laws that help keep these porn shops out of major cities. Right? We weren't, you know, court said we couldn't ban them outright, so we had to kind of. Zone them into oblivion into you know, industrial parks, or it's the reason quite frankly, you see a lot of them on along, alongside highways because they can't be so close to schools or churches or other, or, or playgrounds or things like that. Um, but the problem was what we've seen is while that was very effective for a time, all of a sudden, a lot of these porn shops just started disappearing, not because we were you know banning them out of existence, but they started disappearing for the same reasons why we don't see blockbuster video anymore, mm-hmm. right? It, it, it all it all went online. It all went streaming, um, and so so for us, especially on that public policy front, you know, if we saw a 13 year old walking into uh, the the lion's den or whatever porn shop or whatever strip club, we'd say, oh my gosh, that's messed up. Uh, but for some reason, we don't have that same thought when we see a kid walking around uh, with a, with an iPhone in his pocket um, and realizing what what, what he could be, be doing. Again, to your point. I'd love to see them nowhere. I'd love of to course. see, you know, the 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 sixty year old not walking into that porn shop, mm-hmm. right? Um, but uh, it, at the very least, uh, to to stop kids from walking into that porn shop, uh, and, and the problem is now it's just it's just far easier uh, to to walk into
1: that porn shop than it ever was before. Hey, and let's be honest, Aaron, Mike, it'd be really easy just to say, you know what. There's not a whole lot of hope around this. we'll just do something we'll do something else right to try to help so we can actually see progress. But the fact that this innocence act is underway, that is progress, right hey. It's not perfect, but it's progress, and I think that's important to remember
2: yeah and and as we wrap up our conversation here, Josh, just one last question for you, thinking about your point that eighteen's not old enough. Uh, you mentioned that you're having conversations with your had well, conversations with your son he was seven years old or he was, like yeah. that. I was gonna say he
1: was seven he's 18 now so I mean yeah. I'm actually thinking of all the, all these ages right he just took off for for college you know how many of weeks ago as a freshman and I'm wondering did I do enough as a father you know yeah. I know it's the enemy and my point is if there was an act like this uh in place in every state, that would give me maybe a little bit more assurance that, yes, I have done everything. And there's, there's you know, an issue with him being able to peruse anything he wants to peruse when he was 10, yeah. 12, 15 years old.
2: Um, yeah. So, well, I, I'm curious you know, what, do you, what do you know from your research? Like, when are kids being exposed to this? Mm. What's the average now? Because I think there are a lot of parents out there and, and probably listening to this show that are thinking this is a conversation that I can have later. Um, But, you know, you're saying you started the conversation when when your son was seven. So um, just to encourage parents to to get out ahead of this, um, how soon do they need to be thinking about this in their child's life and development? Uh, Great question. And I'm so glad you asked. Um, We are in the
1: process of doing a new animation video because of a lot of the questions. The first question we get is, uh, when should we start talking to our kids about sex in general? And I pose a question back to them. Well, when does the world start talking? When does culture start talking to our kids? Um, they're, they're a lot smarter than you give them credit to, even at a young age. They take a lot in, right, in those formative years. Um, I, I'll give you something. In 2022, and this is, uh, I know Aaron said, let's encourage. I, I want to encourage, but I also want to be realistic here, right? Uh, in 2022, 62% of tweens, right, we're talking probably nine to maybe 12 years old, 62% had had already encountered some sort of nudity or mature content. Teenagers, 82%. Um, The average number right now, they'll say between nine and 11, but we're seeing it skewed towards eight or nine years old are the time where most kids are being exposed to some sort of nudity or pornography. And my point is, you know, Don't wait until they're 10 or they're 12 or you think they're ready for this conversation. We need to start introducing God's truth to them at a very early age so they can have a better understanding and they can their heart can be pricked when they see things they know are not right versus saying, wow, that's great. I want more of that. Yeah, it's a good word. Amen. I think that we
3: talk about this all the time when, when, uh, when we'll hear pastors, whether it's a pornography issue or a transgender issue mm-hmm. or abortion or something like that. And pastors will, will, will refuse, don't want to talk about it. And, and we're like, listen, pastor, you're the only person in, in your congregants life. That's not talking about right. it, right? Like they're, they're getting filled up with, yeah. with this from every other angle. So if you're if po- you're not talking about it, if you're, if you're not, and again, I'm not sitting here saying, you know, preaching every day on this or, or turning your pulpit into a political issue, but if you're going out of your way to avoid talking about things like pornography You know, the, 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 the explanations, the, uh, the, the, the interpretation, the people in your church are getting are, are, are not coming from a biblical perspective. Then that's for sure. Uh, so, so it's something we cannot, cannot avoid.
1: We're made, we are made for face-to-face interaction. We are made to break bread with one another, right? To bear one another's burdens. And it's interesting that I'm saying that because you're in Ohio, I'm North Carolina. We're here virtually looking at one another. We're not together in the same room, right? So I'm grateful for technology. But my point in saying that is, if we're made for relationships to grow in God's grace, but to grow with one another, I can tell you this. People who are involved and get addicted to pornography and just a slippery slope where you don't, you even, your conscious saying, I don't want to do the things I do, but I still fall into these traps. Most of them, don't find any fulfillment in relationships. It's very hard for them to develop good, healthy relationships. And I think that's good for your audience and parents to hear that. And that being said, again, we create a lot of resources. And as just kind of a little promo for Pure Hope, um, all oh of our God. resources on our website are free. Uh, we certainly don't charge for that. And our number one downloaded resource um, is called Pocket Guide, How to Have Healthy Conversations with Your Children. We have three different ones. One is for uh, church and ministry leaders. Another one is for young couples who are wanting to have children to get out ahead of it and be prepared. And then the third one is obviously the most downloaded piece, and it's just for parents. And we have it scaled out to where there are uh, talking points, uh, intro conversations for, uh, well, young ages, I guess that's uh, toddler ages, elementary, middle school, and high school. And uh, it's a tremendous tool and resource, and I would encourage anyone listening if they say, I'm ready, we need to do this. I feel like I'm late to the game. I can't keep waiting.
2: Purehope.net to download those uh, great resources. That's awesome. Ed, thank you so much, Josh, for for your time today. Appreciate your insight and in offering those resources to our listeners. And we'll certainly be praying for you and your ministry. And, uh, you know, maybe we'll get to to save a seat for you at the old family reunion or something like that down the road. <laughs> as long as you got some food, I'll show up. You just
1: tell me when and where.
2: That'd be great. That was great. Thanks, Josh. Really appreciate
1: the time. All right. Thanks, guys.
2: Thank you for tuning in to this episode of The Narrative, presented by CCV and produced by Wessler Media. If you found today's episode insightful, leave us a review or rating and subscribe anywhere you get your podcasts. We're your hosts, Mike Andrews, Aaron Baer, and David Mahan, and we'll see you next time on The Narrative.